0: Welcome to all the listeners out there that are joining us today for this episode of Hills from a CSEP Floor. Today's topic is going to be tips from a Cisco educator and how to maximize your virtual training experience. You know, in the past, we've been noticing that everything is moving into a virtual world and we've been thinking about how this vision might be in the future. So today we're going to be talking to one of our great Cisco educators, Michael Harabedian, will give us some tips on how to maximize your virtual training, especially if you're early in career. Michael has had some great experience training. You've been with Cisco for many years, Michael, and you have really seen every single facet of this type of training environment where being analog was more of a thing in the past, moving into a hybrid world Because we at Cisco, of course, with the infrastructure we have and Webex, uh, you've already experienced that. And then, of course, the last few months, especially the last year has been all virtual. And we just want to look at some of the experience that you've had and uh, maybe some of the tips that we can talk about. And also our listeners, please remember the word puzzle. And we're going to add that in at some point into this podcast. So make sure you stay sharp to win some fantastic prizes. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Good. Thank you, Enrico, for the nice warm welcome. And uh, hello, everybody. So yeah, like Enrico said, we're in a different world nowadays. And um, what's current today is uh, what I call V2V, virtual to virtual or video to video, virtual meetings and virtual trainings, video calls, meetings and trainings. They're all commonplace. You know, and, and they're often they're even preferred by many companies because they can save a lot of money and a lot of time over true face to face. Think about it. If we go true face to face, we have to travel to the same place, maybe across town, maybe across the country or maybe even across the pond. And for companies, that's money out of pocket to get people together. And some also consider that it's wasted time or not productive time during the travel. Although I got to tell you, I got an awful lot done on airplanes uh going across the pond. But um anyhow, I think we're going to see V2V stay very popular even after we emerge from COVID. Cisco Marketing is saying that 98% of all meetings in the future are going to have at least one virtual participant. And I agree. You know, one thing that's good about this is that people could meet more often. And this can be a really good thing. Let me give you an example. I ran a two-day collaboration session in Japan some years ago it was face to face in order to make sure i understood the audience and give them the takeaways that would help them sell successfully i did a lot of preliminary planning along with the japanese sales managers and this all happened about 2 months prior to that session and of course i couldn't fly to tokyo for all those meetings but we we actually met using telepresence and we got the job done so yeah it was very successful doing that yeah so what's the problem with v 2 v i look at it this way i say the way i see it ask yourself this question how many senses do human beings have we have five senses Some special people claim to have six. But for ordinary people like me, we have five. So to me, one of the fundamental issues with V2V is that we lose three of those five senses. We only have two left. We have what we see and we have what we hear. Nothing else. Have you ever had this experience? You hear somebody on the radio, AM, XM, FM, whatever you're listening to, and you form a vision of that person in your mind. And then when you meet them or see their picture, it's totally wrong.
0: Absolutely. So
1: V2V happens all the time. But V2V just cannot provide the true F2F experience. And how about stress? This is part of the problem. So video calls are a really good way of communicating. But if you find them to be more stressful than face-to-face communication, you're not alone. As a matter of fact, you're in the vast majority. V2V is more stressful. So the first thing to do is to acknowledge it. Video fatigue is real. And there's a term being bantered about now called Zoom fatigue. I like how it's not being called WebEx fatigue.
0: (laughs) Of course.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) it's not being called Webex fatigue. It's Zoom fatigue. But regardless, this uh, fatigue is real. And uh, that's for both the presenter and for participants in any meeting or, uh, or class.
0: I have to say that I can completely relate with that. You wouldn't expect that. But you know, coming from the CSAP experience and it all being virtual now, I mean, we've never seen each other and our coworkers at all in person. It was all over this video platform. And I can see how that can actually yeah. be quite strenuous for some people in meeting new people, and yeah. especially during, you know, trainings and presenting.
1: That's exactly right. And you know, one of the things that I have as a suggestion later is to take full advantage of any and every face-to-face opportunity you have. But we'll get to that in just a few minutes. But I I agree, this fatigue is real for presenters and for participants both. Why is that? Why are they so mentally exhausting, these calls? And how can people reduce or prevent this Zoom fatigue? Part of it is psychological. Part of it is technical. It's the way we communicate. So when we communicate, we look and we listen to the person who's talking. In a face-to-face environment, this is really easy. You know, especially when you're at a table around a table in a conference room but when you've got a screen full of faces it becomes really difficult to follow i I find myself doing this all the time somebody else starts talking oh who said that and you're squinting at the screen it's like and you're missing half of what they say so it's very disruptive
0: absolutely but it's also funny that the type of setup that you usually do because you also want to be sure to get in all of the information from all of the faces at the same time when you're in a video meeting right so i can understand how that is quite strenuous sometimes for the brain to focus down on everybody
1: Absolutely. That's exactly right. And as a facilitator in the program, I can tell you that that is one of my biggest challenges is to see who's getting it. Right. So when we had a face to face scenario, I could see, oh, Enrico. Yeah, he's on. Lights are on there. I can see he's getting it. And I can look at Herbedian and say, oh, mm, Herbedian does not look very comfortable right now. I don't think he's getting it. In a face to face environment, that's actually easy. In a video environment, it is not easy. It is very difficult to do. And so it's hard to tell, Um, you know, if you're hitting the mark and if people are getting what you're, you know, what you're trying to communicate.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I had you during some training as well. And we were 20 people in class in Mm -hmm. that type of scenario for you as a facilitator, how would you compensate for that loss of information that you would usually have from a face to face training?
1: Yeah, so one of the things you can do there is to actually use multiple monitors and put your people videos on one side and then what you're presenting on the other. I would also suggest though that in some cases that actually creates more stress because you've got more devices that you've got to keep track of and that can be very difficult to do. In face-to-face, it's natural just to look at people and talk to them and look around the room. In a virtual environment, that's not natural. So that's one thing you can do. You know, other things at play here too are technical issues, things like headset issues or sporadic internet connectivity disruptions freezing screens you know have you ever heard the metallic twang the chilling sound (laughs) or see somebody's video speeding up to catch up with where they are now what a pain that is so those are technical issues due to delays uh, usually in the WAN and hopefully our SD-WAN solutions will solve that and that's the basic problem the natural flow of our conversations are disrupted put another way you could say that video calls lack the capacity for synchronous communication
0: I can see that because I occasionally, you know, you're in a conversation with somebody in a video conversation and it just stops or the audio is lagged for some reason. And then you as the other person in the conversation doesn't want to be rude to who you're talking to. So you try Mm -hmm. to fill in the gaps that you've been missing without having to re-ask every single time, like, hey, what did you just say? Because that's also very disruptive to the conversation.
1: Could not have said it better, Enrico. That's exactly right. So the natural rhythm and the spontaneous flow of conversations can be lost or... Uh, That's a great example you just gave, Enrico. And how about this one? How about when two people try to talk at the same time? It's a mess. Yeah. (laughs) In in face-to-face settings, we can can manage this, and it's okay. But in virtual environments, it becomes chaotic. And like you're saying, Enrico, we don't want to speak over each other, so we stop talking. And people have to wait for their turn to speak. It also makes the lighter aspects of conversation, like humor, much more difficult. I can imagine. And, of course, the more people you have, in that conference, the worse it gets. Problem is that that can lead to major misunderstandings of what's being communicated. The other problem is that it can lead to frustration where people just, they just stop contributing. And then we lose ideas. And that's obviously a bad thing for the business
0: of course being in this type of you know a video conference like we mentioned earlier you know some of the information of communication gets lost because it's only audio and visual so it's easier for people to just go underwater mm-hmm. you know and get themselves out of the conversation without contributing
1: mm-hmm. it's much easier yeah that's true the other thing that video conferences don't do very well is capturing body language or what they call micro expressions the way your face actually changes in, re- in uh, response to a question or a comment a lot of times you guys will see this when you're face to facing with anybody especially in sales how did that person react when I asked that question or when I gave that answer. Yeah. Kind of goes back to seeing if somebody gets it when we're in class. We talked about that earlier. Same idea. It's a, it's a problem. And all of these things, they cause your brain to overwork and you try to make sense of everything that's happening. So the brain tries to synchronize all this communication. And as a result, your brain ends up working overtime to read the other person's expressions, their behavior, to listen to what they're saying. I think you can see why Zoom fatigue is so real.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, your, your brain is on overdrive for something that is actually very natural to yeah, for it. Yeah, that's right. Have you experienced any of that, you know, in the last 12 months talking to to other CSAPers maybe because you've been given some training?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of that, not just for uh, participants, but also for people who do the delivery, for presenters. And you guys are going to be doing a lot of presenting in the future too. So kind of thought I looked at this from both sides and try to maybe coordinate everything that I, that I could think of and some feedback I got from some of the CSAP people too about how do you, can we reduce this fatigue during a video call? or between video calls and even after video calls. And I put together several little lists on this one. Oh, that's great. And I thought I would start with, yeah, Thanks. I thought I'd start with during the virtual calls. And a couple of these are easy. A couple of these may be things you hadn't thought of. So hopefully they'll be helpful for you.
0: Absolutely. want to hear from you.
1: Oh, <laughs> <Well>, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. So a couple of easy ones. It's like number one, invest in a good headset so that you can better capture the voice and hear the speaker better uh, and reduce the ambient noise on both sides. Because all that stuff is really disruptive to the brain. Second one is to keep your background as minimal as possible. I'm guilty of this one. I, I don't have a background. I know we can do that in WebEx now and I'm starting. To do that, I imagine people are probably looking around the room behind me <laughs> when I'm presenting.
0: <laughs> it was always nice to feel like we're in the same living room together when you're giving the training, Michael.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, here's one for you. So, people have a tendency to watch themselves on the screen. How am I performing? I need to see me while I'm talking. You know, everyone else is watching you already. That's just more stress. Yeah, we like to watch ourselves present to see how we look and how we're doing. So, I'm guilty of that one. (laughs) I think everybody is, whether they want to admit it or not, Enrico. I think everybody is. I think it's so funny. So what can you do about it? Well, you can cover and hide your own image on the screen. A sticky note comes in really handy there because you want to keep your video on for everybody else. But if you can cover and hide your own image on the screen, that can actually help you. And it actually can reduce your stress.
0: I've never considered that option, actually. It's really simple and probably has a strong effect as well. It has
1: a stronger effect than you might realize. Uh, I'll just say it that way. Yeah. (laughs) so give it a try see what you think a couple other things you can do prop up your screen and keep the camera directly at your eye level so you'll be looking straight ahead
0: we were actually really lucky to have a training on yeah. presenting where that was the subject, and it's really improved my experience as well. It's because before good. of that training, I was always crunched over, over the screen as well, mm-hmm. and it, for the long term, it's not good, you know, sitting on the desk, but that has really changed also the experience of video conferencing with somebody. Definitely. Talk That's about. right.
1: The other thing is make sure you're well lit, especially if you're the presenter. Put your lighting, especially from the front, to reduce shadows, and you don't want bright lights behind you. This helps people read your expressions. What I'm teaching, I actually have several different lamps, as well as in-room light that I use during my presentations. And a couple of them are actually high up over my head. So it lights up everything pretty well. Here's another one you may not have considered. So put some distance between you and your camera. In other words, don't just show your face. Believe it or not, some people can look at a big face on the screen to be intimidating to some people. It's it's interesting, the psychology behind this. So push your camera back a little bit to show your face and your upper body. And and never let the camera look up your nose. That's just gross. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: That's a very good one right there. <laughs>
1: so uh, just a couple more tips for you. Another one here is shut off everything else. This is a hard one. This is a really hard one. Close your social media feeds. Shut off your email. Silence your phone. Can't do that. What? Silence your smartphone? Michael, no. It <laughs> can't be done. Exactly right. So... <laughs> So close down all the other projects you're working on. Like I said earlier with the monitors, really avoid multiple monitors if you can, unless you're teaching and you're trying to see the expressions and um, reactions of people who are in your class. That's the only time I would ever use another monitor. Okay. so all of those kind of things can just add to stress, right?
0: That is a good point. And I think it's really important to uh, to think about notification because mm-hmm. it's going to straight away distract you and you're straight away not going to be able to pay attention to what the conversation is actually about.
1: That's exactly right, Enrico. Even for this podcast that you and me are doing right now, I have everything on my laptop shut off except for the Webex. I have my uh, smartphone, all the notifications and all the volume of anything on the smartphone I'm recording with are all shut off. And I even have my trusty landline muted. How about that?
0: <laughs> that is, that's. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> yes
1: i still have one thank you
0: i don't even have a landline anymore
1: <laughs> most people don't i know uh, i guess i'm showing my age by that but uh we still have one way out here so it works pretty well so the other thing you might do is ask if it feels right to you ask your participants to do the same sometimes that might consider it a little bit invasive but as a courtesy you might ask hey can you guys all shut your social media feeds off and silence your phones that would be helpful
0: I mean, you know, that's also etiquette, I guess, in Uh, a base meeting is to shut off your phone, make sure that there's no distraction and you pay full attention to the speaker. And I I think the temptation to not do so is much higher when you're in in your own room with this computer, but it should also be etiquette online when you're talking to somebody else through video. Really well said,
1: Enrico. Etiquette is the right word there. Couldn't agree with you more. So other things you can do, just got a couple. When you're in class, if you can use WebEx breakout rooms to reduce the number of participants where you can, that can be helpful. And when you're in class, even as a presenter or as a participant, ask questions. So a lot of times, if you guys have had me for an instructor, you'll see that I ask a lot of questions. That True. keeps people engaged and allow questions if you're delivering from other people to keep it interactive.
0: Actually, that's something that I experienced as something very positive when we are training together. These breakout rooms, you know, being able to meet with a fewer number of people where everybody actually has to participate and has yes. to contribute to the topic that will keep you engaged. Make sure that you're paying attention to the material yes. as I've well. And
1: I've got just two more for you. If you're hosting a session, allow your participants to shut their camera off once in a while or just okay. specific parts of the call. So in other words, it might help them to be off video for a while. You don't want them off all the time, but from time to time, you might want them to or allow them to be off video for specific parts of your call or your presentation, if it feels right.
0: All right. And what is that?
1: So like the presenter participants watch themselves as well. And sometimes if it's just less stressful if they know they're not on camera. I sort of do this naturally sometimes. I'll shut my video off from time to time when somebody's presenting and you know they're gonna go for a while and then I'll turn it back on when they open up for Q&A or when somebody else starts to talk, I'll bring my video back on. So I kind of naturally do that already. I found it to be very helpful.
0: So that's where I can imagine that people that are early in career are just starting off, that they might be a little bit too shy to take that step to actually just turn up their camera. You don't wanna come over as rude to your facility facilitators or to your managers or to your customers. So how would you approach that?
1: Yeah, that's a fine line. There's no doubt about it. And I would say if you are the presenter, you never want to shut your camera off. You might want to cover your image (laughs) like we talked earlier, but you never want to shut it off. If you're a participant, there may be times when, say, if you're an account manager and your SE is presenting, you might actually shut yours off for a short period of time or allow your customer maybe to shut theirs off for a short period of time. If you're in a corporate meeting, uh, a lot of times when we have broadcast from you know, an executive or whatever, a lot of times I'll actually turn my video off during that time as well and listen, watch that speaker and listen and focus on them. That's helpful too.
0: So I think this is one of those etiquette topics that would have to be addressed at the beginning of a meeting like this or a training where maybe also the participants can ask that question to the facilitator, right? It feels for me that in this type of virtual collaboration environment, you have to communicate the etiquette much more clearly with the other person than when you're actually in a room together.
1: That's a good point. Absolutely, Enrico. You're right. So yeah, it could be a little dicey. And the last point that I had was to stand up and stretch every once in a while and encourage your participants to do the same. You know, I learned this in face-to-face meetings years ago. You know, some class I had about presenting and meetings and that sort of thing. And they said, yeah, you should have people standing up and stretching even between breaks in the class right where they're sitting. And uh, it works well, too, in face-to-face meetings also. So I recommend that.
0: A few uh, weeks back, I think I realized I had one of those days where you sat in front of the computer from I think eight thirty in the morning all the way until eight at oh, night, boy. and uh, and I hardly oh, ever got up and stood and walked around. Uh, <laughs> exactly
1: right, Enrico. And you know, you've you've actually done a perfect segue into the my next little section. I got three suggestions for what.
0: you I'm can- sorry, Michael and Enrico. This is Enrico from the future here to bring you the word puzzle tip for this episode: bridge. Now figure out what three words, send that in. And there are some amazing prizes to be won. Okay, Michael and Rico, get back to your conversation.
1: I got three suggestions for what you can do between video calls.
0: Well, that's and great.
1: So, you know, many companies are, are shifting to long-term work-from-home models or maybe even permanently. Yeah. And many of the work schedules are a result of the pandemic and did not account for this Zoom fatigue that we're talking about. This eight-to-eight stuff in front of a computer, it's just not, that kind of stress is not sustainable. And so I know it's not always possible But I think we should try to schedule and protect non-screen breaks in our calendar. Back-to-back video calls should be minimized if you can. I know it's not always possible, but I think it's really important to prevent this fatigue, especially long term. I would suggest at least 10 to 15 minute breaks between back-to-back video conferencing. I know that could be hard to do and we may not always be in control of that. But where we are, I think that's a good suggestion.
0: That sounds like a great practice, especially because then the next time you are in a conference call, you start off with new energy, new focus. It's very easy to block your time in your calendar.
1: Protected time on my calendar. So if I know that I'm going to have an hour or two hour video call, I will try to schedule in my calendar and block out a half an hour just to go do something else. Take a walk or move around physically, whatever it is. And again, I know that's not always possible, but I think it's important to help prevent, you know, this eight to eight video screen stuff.
0: (laughs) That's difficult for some people. And
1: I noticed that I seem to need more sleep when I deliver classes virtually. I am more tired at the end of a virtual day than I am at the end of a face-to-face day.
0: That is interesting, but it probably has to do with just this fact that your brain is working overtime during all of these trainings to make sure that all of these different factors that we've talked about are more exhaustive. It goes the back the to the
1: uh, brain overworking itself to try to keep up with all these things. It's it's definitely much tougher, I think, on on the person. So, yeah. So then um, and some of the suggestions I have for after video calls are the same. And I would just say go offline, Period. Put the laptop away, shut the smartphone off, go and do something totally analog. You know, you got to decompress from the stress. And keep the hobbies that you have that are to- should be totally separate from what you do at work.
0: <laughs> is really hard. Usually, you know, I leave my workspace, I take my mobile phone, and I go see what my friends have texted yeah, me. Yeah, that's exactly
1: right. Uh, couldn't have said it better. I'm I'm over here nodding. I know you can't <laughs> see me, Enrico. I'm nodding up and down. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. So this is going to sound like sacrilege. But another thing you could do is to avoid the V2V call altogether. Consider a switch to maybe a text message or an email if you can, just to reduce the stress or reduce the amount of video you have to do and what about this how about the dreaded telephone call <laughs> oh my goodness yeah <laughs> You know, it can be a great alternative too. I know we're reducing, you know, how many senses we engage there, but at least the dreaded telephone call has one. But the idea is to just to get rid of the number of voice-to-voice, sorry, the video-to-video calls that you have. Uh, but the phone call is still, is still a good option, I think, in a lot of ways. So, and then uh, the last one is, like I mentioned earlier, take advantage of any and every face-to-face opportunity that you can. Get those other three senses working, you know? I know uh, we talk about virtual meetings being 10 times better than face-to-face. I- I'm not sure if that's possible. That's just my personal opinion. But there's nothing like a face-to-face, what I call kicking the shins, where you go out to lunch and you're kicking each other's shins under the table while you're eating right, and talking. Kicking the shins is a great way to to build relationships and to really communicate with people. So take advantage of every opportunity that you have to do that. So those are my tips and um, maybe a brief look at how I see it and where it's going.
0: Yeah, this is, this is fantastic having this kind of conversation with you, especially, you know, hearing it from your experiences as well. And I think our listeners can really take something with them. <laughs> so everybody listening, make sure that you do not look at yourself on the camera, make sure to decompress yourself. And it's very important for you to give your brain time to rest. And I seriously hope you guys paid attention to this week's hot word for the word puzzle. This is Enrico reporting for you guys from the CSEP floor. Do not forget to follow us on our social media. Further on, keep your eyes open for our next episodes of Tales from the c Floor podcast. And I cannot wait to get back to you on the next one. That's just from you, Michael. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome.
1: It's been a pleasure. And everybody, I, I wish you all the best out there. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome. Take care.